0: Thanks for leading us today. Appreciate all of you. Well, welcome. This morning, if I haven't had a chance to say hello, welcome to our gathering as the Erickson Covenant Church. We're continuing on with our series, our latest series in the Psalms, TBH, which means, to be honest. I'm really excited about this series. I really believe that the truth of these uh, Psalms and integrating them into our lives really has a transformative effect on us, on our prayer, on our understanding of the world, what it means to engage, listen, and pray, uh, and so I really, I'm really excited about, about the series. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you know what it's like to be really, really stuck? Okay. I grew up on a farm. You guys know that. We, uh, we, uh, we cleared most of the land that we farmed, and uh, the farmland that we had was old uh, beaver homes. 500 acres of it. So you can imagine some of what we ran into clearing that property. My, ba- my dad uh, bought a D7 cat, and, and so we went through the process of clearing that land over, over a number of years as we farmed it. And I remember this, the kind of the last piece that we cleared uh, to farm, my dad got really, really stuck. You know how high, a cat, how high cat tracks are? Like a D7 cat track. I mean, when I was little, it was like up here, but you know, uh, you know probably chest height or so or maybe even taller, to get in. Well, he got it so stuck that you could just walk straight onto the cab of the cat, like there was no tracks to be seen under the swamp. So, so stuck. So he calls a neighbor. It takes about an hour and a half for him to trundle over with his cat. And he attaches, and he starts pulling, and you know what happened? Yeah, pretty soon he was buried as well, right to the deck. So we had two cats out there in, in this field, swampy you know, mess. So what do you do at that point? You call the third neighbor who also has a cat. Can you see where this might be going? All right. So the third guy comes. This is turning into an entirely long day enterprise. He comes, but magically manages to somehow get one of the cats out. I think mean, they got longer chains and lots of wood, and I don't know what the, all they did. And then, you know, the two of them then hitched together at the right points of, you know, finally got the third cat out. Now, I don't think one of the farmers was ever seen again. I'm not sure what happened to him, but we were, we were unstuck. Maybe you've forgotten what it's like to be stuck, though. I mean, to be real, truly stuck, where there's nothing else you can do. Maybe you've forgotten, and so I think this next compilation might help you. Well, when you are really, really stuck, what do you do? What do you say? You cry out, somebody (laughs) help me. When you're stuck in a muddy crowd, you need someone to throw you a rope, right? Yes. Well, what about, let me ask you, what about, what's one thing when you're stuck, you know, like that? What about when you're stuck in another area of your life? What about when you're stuck in your marriage? What about when you find yourself knee-deep and unable to move because of a health crisis? What about if there's some looming, unsolvable problem facing you at school? What then? When we're stuck in other areas of life, do we cry out for help? Do we even acknowledge it? Are we aware? Are we able to be honest about our need? That's where we're going today as we push further into our Psalms series. We're looking at Psalms that help us express honest need. Last week, we uh, gave honest thanks to God on Thanksgiving weekend. We explored the, the category, a large category of psalms called Thanksgiving psalms. Those psalms which look back at a time when we were stuck, couldn't do anything about it, cried out to God, and he answered us. He met us in our desperation. He made a difference. And we look back at that time, and we celebrate and thank God. Today's psalms are called lament psalms. These psalms are blood-stained and mud-splattered. It's like they've been scrawled out to God under a hail of fire in the trenches of trouble. Now let me ask you, how many of you feel like you're in a spot in life, or at least there is an area in your life, where you desperately need God to do something? And not like next week, yesterday, you know, there's an urgency to it. God, you've got to intervene. You've got to do something. You've got to hear me. You've got to change things. I'm sinking. I'm drowning. I feel like I, I, I can't make, I'm, I'm not going to last much longer. Well, these lament psalms that we're exploring today have that same sense of urgency, and they help us get honest about what's going on in our lives, rather than just denying it. Rather than covering it up somehow or coating it over, these lament psalms encourage us actually to pull back the cover and get vocal. Now, you know, I hope you know, if you don't know, now you know, you know that I pray for you every day. I pray for our community every day our congregation every day i pray for those of you i i, I know I, I you know in the situations that are going on in your lives i pray for those of you who are maybe just connecting maybe i don't know your names yet but i pray you more generally for those who are just just connecting into the arson covenant church i pray for you as you go to work as you go to school as you're in your homes as you're interacting throughout the week i pray for you every day and i pray for many of you by name because of the situations that are happening in your lives I have a prayer journal, and I write it out. And, and, and uh, I want you to know, if you're not aware, that right here in our community, there's such serious things going on in people's lives. Desperate things, hard things. And not a single day seems to go by that someone isn't added to the list. And friends, I believe that we can name that. We can name those places of need or desperation. In fact, I think we need to. And so let me ask you, um, you don't need to shout these out loud. I want you just to reflect on this. But I want to I ask you today, what troubles are you facing? What troubles are you facing? And when I sat down this week, I started to make a list. And the list got, frankly, a little long. I have names beside the list. I won't say those names this morning. But allow me to share with you some of my list as I reflected on just our community. The first thing that comes up very quickly, of course, are some of the physical health problems that many of us are facing. Some of us face daily the challenge of chronic pain. Often it's hidden, but it's there. Some of us are facing a terminal illness where we know actually that our days are literally numbered. And not just numbered in the hundreds, but hu- numbered in the, in, 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 the, in the tens and twenties. We're facing that. Some of us are right in the middle of a bad health report where we're, 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 we're getting tests taken and they don't know what's going on and, and we're trying to figure out what the next steps are. Some of us are facing surgery as a result of that. Some of us are just, they're just ongoing struggles, things that, you know, maybe I'm not going to die from it and maybe some days are good, some days are bad, but they're, they're just an ongoing struggle in our physical health. And then, of course, other of us, us are just facing the reality of aging bodies that frankly don't work the way they used to work. And we're reminded of that sometimes at the worst times ever. So that can loom. But then there's also mental health struggles. Some of us have an ongoing battle with depression. Or we struggle with anxiety that can, that can seem to overwhelm us at different times. Some of us struggle with mood disorders. Tourette's, OCD. OCD. Some of us, agoraphobia, where we're afraid to go into groups even to gather here in a place like this where we know mentally, we know that there are people who are, are safe and, and love us and yet there's something about coming into a group this size that just overwhelms us. Some of the troubles we're facing might be betrayal from a friend, someone that you thought you could trust, someone that loved you and yet somehow they've said things about you to others or they, they haven't come through when they said they would. We face that. Or maybe it's a strained relationship with a kid or even with a sibling. Some of you, particularly those perhaps in the later teenage years or even early young adults, but also on up through, face stress and anxiety and maybe confusion about your future. Like, what should I do? And you know what really sucks when you're 18 and you don't know what to do? Everyone asks you, what are you going to do? And that stress and that anxiety can be looming and difficult. So others of us have received distressing news, maybe from somewhere else or from someone else in our lives. And and this is causing us great concern. I know that many of you are dealing with the fact that uh, maybe just now in your life, you're, you're finally acknowledging some past hurt that occurred or abuse that happened. And you're in a place now where you're starting to bring that out and, and try, trying to be honest about it. And you need help. Others are experiencing financial difficulties, crushing, uh, the crushing weight of debt. As I already mentioned, I know that marriages are often under pressure. Pressure because it seems like it's not working. Pressure because there's there's difficulty getting along. Pressure because, frankly, it just feels like the marriage has died, or you wish one would. Some of us experience the difficulty of feeling like God has just forgotten us. He's silent. We pray, but, you know, what does it do? And I don't feel anything. I don't see anything. I, God, are you even there? I feel like you can't break through to him. I'm only about halfway through the list. Should I keep going? Some of us feel like we, are, we, we, we are, experience personal rejection, maybe even persecution, but certainly some subtle rejection and pressure in our, in our workplaces or in our schools because we are trying to be faithful to Jesus. Others experience a kind of unfairness or maybe an overlooking, even a bullying, that can happen both at school and at work, sometimes for faith and sometimes just because people are jerks. Others of us I know experience learning difficulties, Um, learning difficulties at school that seem insurmountable, learning difficulties at work. Some of us are having boy troubles or even girl troubles, and they feel very big and very looming. Some of us struggle daily with loneliness. It feels like Even in a a setting like this, even in a valley like ours, we can struggle every day with feeling like we are alone. No one really knows us. No one really cares. And others just lack joy and struggle every day and feel like, God, can you please bring joy to my life? I feel like I'm just dead. Some of us, by extension, are are struggling with the fact that um, we've got aging parents or an aging aunt or uncle People in our lives that we care for who are, who are now struggling with a variety of, well, any of the above. Health crises, mental health crises, different things going on, change. And as a result of the things that are going on in their lives, we're having to undergo changes in ours. Or perhaps we have adult kids who are struggling with any, uh, any of the above. Adult kids who are now having struggles in their marriage. Adult kids who are having mental health struggles. Adult kids who are, who are, are wrestling with their future or making choices that are hurting uh, them and others around it. Or maybe we have kids that are walking away from faith, living in ways that are harmful to them, harmful to their future. And yet others can experience the pressure of an economic downturn that affect our work and our, our future. I could go on, but I'll stop. These are just things that I know are affecting just us. Trouble, hurt, brokenness, real places of need where people are crying out, where you are crying out for God to make a difference. The question is, how can we become more honest and more healthy even when we are in the middle of, of a place of need you know is there a way to actually grow stronger while we're still stuck in the mud i think it's an important question is there good to be had even in the bad i think there is and the lament psalms help us engage in a way that leads us there these lament psalms are in fact the most common type of psalm in the collection in the collection of 150 psalms, lament psalms feature the largest. Did you know that? So, in other words, the most common speech back to God in the psalms can be summarized in one word. Help! Second most common category is the category where we shout, thanks. But the first category is help. Which makes sense, right? Because usually, when we get to a place where we really, really need to pray, that's what we need, is help. And the psalms represent that. All of the Lament Psalms feature this common thread. Something is wrong, and God is asked to help. Something has broken, and God is asked to fix it. Something, something tragic, something desperate, something difficult, we're facing, we're in the middle of it, and we're crying out to God to intervene in our situation. This is common for all the Lament Psalms. But for all their emotional rawness, I mean, when you read them, wow, so it just curls your hair, some of it. For all of the honesty, for all of the indictments, sometimes, you, you know, God, what are you doing? You know, where are you? And, and, and challenging and questioning God's presence. For all of that, the Lament Psalms are actually rooted deeply in trust. Trust in God's goodness. Trust in God's compassion. Trust in God's ability to actually help, to actually make a difference, and so almost all the lament psalms—I think all of them actually—when you read them, they actually swing back and forth, back and forth. You know, at one moment crying out to God to do something, and then swinging back to express a, a radical, complete trust in His goodness. And then, without even warning you, swinging back over here to sort of riff on God for not doing something, acting, being, you know, get off your butt and do something. And then swinging back to say, but I'll praise you because your faithfulness back and forth, back and forth. And this is, I think, significant because what we, what we discover is that complaining to God, whining about what's going on, Shouting about his absence or trying to get his attention or, or, or declaring with, with, with total abandonment we, our need for God to do something. It's actually springing from the conviction that God is good. If he wasn't, why would he bother, right? It springs from the conviction that God is good. That God does actually hear our cry. That God actually is able to do something about our problems. And, and the lament psalms help us keep swinging back and forth. It keeps us honest about the trouble, but then it keeps us trusting God in the trouble. And that is so significant. We're going to look today at Psalm 42, 43, which I think is printed in the insert in your bulletin. Uh, it's a great example of a lament psalm. Now, 42, 43, we're like twins separated at birth, okay? They're one psalm. Many of the ancient Hebrew manuscripts list them It was one song, psalm. We don't know why. Somewhere along the way, they got divided, but they still sit together in the, in the canon. So think of them as one psalm or twins. You know, you can do that if you want. But I want you to listen to the way that the poet here captures this back and forth, back and forth. And, and to help us do that, I'd like some audience participation. So here's what we did. Terry very, very kindly made me two big old signs. Now, you may have seen Terry posing. Oh, look at that. A stink bug. Gone. Now, over here on this side of the room, you look like trouble. So I'm, I'm going to, I don't know if you can see that. No, you can't. Whoa. Sherry, maybe you can hold that up or something. You can hold that up. And over here, you're going to be trust. Okay? This side of the room, you're going to be trust. Andrea, can you hold that up? Brilliant. Now, what we're going to do is as we read this psalm through, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through, but pause. And if the psalmist at that, in that line or that phrase is expressing trouble, I want you all to, like, wave your hands or make some kind of troubling indication. Okay? And then if there's a phrase or a word or, or, or a line that expresses trust, then over here, get my attention. All right? And together, we're going to see how this psalm goes back and forth between trouble and trust. We all got that? Troubles over here? Just look at them. Just look at them. And over here, what a trusting bunch. Okay, here we are. Psalm 42, we start. We'll go right into 43. It is on your insert. You can follow along. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. Is that trust? Oh, it sounds kind of like trust. But there's also an expression of longing. Okay, all right. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Okay, maybe a little bit of trouble. Day and night, I have only tears for food. Oh, yeah. While my enemies continually taunt me saying, Where is this God of yours? Okay, that's definitely trouble. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession, procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Okay, so it seems to express trust, but he's also looking back to it because he doesn't have it right now. So you've got kind of both going on there. All right. Verse 5. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Yeah, that's right. Now I am deeply discouraged. But I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon and the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mazar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to the God who gives me life. All right. Oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Yeah. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. Both, hey, kind of both. All right. For you are God, my only safe haven. Why have you tossed me aside? Oof, you getting this back and forth business here? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my harp, O God, my God. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Whoa, you guys are awesome. Did you feel that? Did you see the back and forth? Trouble and trust. Trust and trouble. Back and forth. Thank you, Terry, for making these. Back and forth. Back and forth. forth. I cannot get that. Look at that. Brilliant. Didn't even plan that. Boldly crying out to God. Boldly declaring trust. Now how is this helpful? I think it's helpful because these lament psalms help us get more healthy as we're facing trouble in at least two ways. Here it is. First, the lament psalms give us voice for the real struggle. They give voice to the real struggle. That the trouble in our lives really is real. That we don't need to deny it or sugarcoat it or ignore it or mask it over. We don't need to buy into the line that we may have been told. Good Christians don't talk about those things. Good Christians don't whine. Good Christians don't express their needs. Nonsense. That's not what these guys are saying. Or perhaps you were raised in a home that wasn't particularly religious, but you were just told, put on a happy face. Stop being negative. Or whatever. The messages that you were sent, that you got to fake it all the time. Maybe because you were in a setting that to express need meant that you were weak somehow you were put down for being a sniveling or whatever. Or perhaps you were not in a setting where it was safe to be weak, safe to express need. But whatever the reason, this is not true here. The lament psalms help give voice to the real struggle. We don't have to save face or put on some sort of false spirituality. Sometimes even within Christian settings where we're told, come on, you should be joyful. You should be joyful. Or whatever. Put on a, you know, Fake it. This is not true here. This is so significant. It means that we're encouraged, challenged, instructed, led by the Scriptures themselves to voice our hurt, to voice our struggle and, and our need. You know, last week uh, there was a day set aside to acknowledge World Mental Health Day. And, and the idea behind this and other things like other initiatives like it is that it is encouraging people to, to be honest, to get honest, and, and we're able to encourage one another, hey, we want to hear it. If you're struggling, don't hide it. I mean, how many times, just in the last couple of years alone, have we seen people succumb to suicide because somehow either people didn't know or whatever was going on in their lives, and, and all of us are saying, no, no, don't do that. Talk to us. Be, tell us what's going on. I love how in, in, our, in our culture these days, there's, a, there's an awareness that's growing and we're encouraging one another. And I want you to know that as a church, as a community, as one of your pastors, that we want to encourage you to be honest about things like mental health, to, to, to know that this is a community you can, you can find safe people to talk to. So, so critical. And the Lament Psalms, I believe, help us do that in a way that leads to health. Over the last month, We've all been subject to everything that went on down in the United States around Kavanaugh. And many women, as a result of the news feed, as a result of the conversations, many women were forced to relive their own experiences, even retell them, reimagine them, and redefend them, their own stories of abuse and assault, because that's what everybody was talking about, and all the blaming and the shaming and the ugliness that filled our news feeds and our Facebook feed loops and as a result, there was a temptation to do a variety of things. One was a temptation to shut down, not really be honest, not engage, kind of turn away, stop being honest about, about what's going on. Or conversely, there was a challenge to stop listening to others, to push it away, to stop inviting people to be honest about what happened in their lives. But that's not right. As Christians, we believe in naming pain. We believe in inviting honesty. We believe in getting vocal and we're backed up by that all through scripture but particularly in the psalms and i honor the people particularly in our community who have been honest particularly over the last year or two about things that have happened in their lives abuse that you've experienced and the need to come to jesus with that the need to get more open about that to receive healing in that and the lament psalms they help us do that in a way that leads to health not to greater shame. We find that it's only in expressing the true nature of our struggle that we'll be able to actually experience God's grace in our lives. Here's the deal. Hurt that is unexpressed is hurt that is unresolved. Hurt unexpressed is hurt unresolved. But as we learn to express it, God's grace gets in. But many of us struggle with that kind of honesty. We struggle to be honest with each other. We struggle to be honest with ourselves. And so, I'd actually like to hear from you. When I ask this question, what do you think of? Why aren't we honest about what we need? Why aren't we honest about it? Why why do we shift away or, or cover up or flat out lie? Why is that? And I'd love to hear right now from you. Why is it? Why aren't we honest about what we need? Can you shout it out? I'll repeat it for the podcast. Shame. We feel shame. Yeah. Well, it's too painful. Whoa. Embarrassing. Pride. We'll have to deal with it. Fear of rejection. We don't want conflict. Is that what you mean, Mike? Yeah. Independent. What else? Say it again. Vulnerability. Yes. Other reasons why we're not honest about our need. We don't even see it. Sometimes we're so, uh, and this, is, this can be a, a, the shadow side of a good thing, we're so uh, committed to meeting other people's needs that we never acknowledge our own. I'd ask for a show of hands, but that might be difficult. What, what else? What are some of the other reasons we have for, for not being honest about our need? We feel weak. Shame. That's right, Carl. like there's no one to talk to maybe to add to that we're not sure anyone really cares we are taught not to that's right audrey and that can those patterns can run very very deep right back to as children right reinforcements about not being honest about what we need i think also sometimes we're we're not honest because to express a particular need uh, could implicate others and we don't want to do that. We don't want to, we don't want to say, look, I, I have a need in my marriage because my husband is a deadbeat. Or, or I, I have a need uh, for, for more support because my family isn't present or whatever. Right? You can have, uh, ex, you know, to express a need means that it may possibly implicate others and that can be difficult. We don't want to do that. What are some of the other reasons why we are not honest about need? We don't want to bother anybody, absolutely. I think related to that, sometimes we think, um, look, I might have a need, but look around me. People have it so much worse than me. Well, you can always find someone who has worse than you, believe me. But it doesn't mean your need isn't significant. But we can do that, right? We can say, well, look, my need so so tiny compared to theirs. Oh, so by expressing a need that someone might meet, then I'm obligated to meet their need. Oh, I don't want that. Yeah, that's right. That can frighten us, right? Absolutely. Anything else? Reason why he might struggle to be honest about need? <laughs> you open that door, right? So, uh, Victoria, he said, if you acknowledge it, you can't repress it anymore. Yes, you're Right? Oh, imagine that. So yeah, that could be a whole can of worms. I open that puppy, and how am I going to stuff it all back in and look perfect again? Or whatever. Repress it, as you say. There are a lot of reasons. We don't want to be a downer at the party, an eeyore, or a puddle glum. We want to somehow, you know, or maybe we even think God will be displeased with our whining, which I think the lament psalms really put that one to rest. But we can carry that. We can carry that. The challenge and invitation... Of Jesus through these lament psalms, which he prayed. I mean, from the cross, Jesus himself said, quoted from Psalm 22 and Psalm 37 and other psalms, he himself said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting a lament psalm, which I almost preached on 22 instead of 42, 43, but they all work. We need to get on us. And the invitation, uh, the way that the lament psalms help us get our bearings is that they give voice. To the real trouble. Second, the Lament Psalms help us, yes, express our need honestly while also expressing our trust explicitly. And this is where they're brilliant. You know, the fact is, where's trouble? The fact is, we're in trouble. But the fact is also that God is good. The fact is, We're stuck. And I cannot figure out how to get out of this. But the fact is, God is faithful and he hears us. Facts. We might be stuck in the muck. We may not know what to do. We may be facing an insurmountable crisis in our family or our health or our future. And yet, and yet, we know. We trust. We cry out to the God who hears us and will respond well how do we know these facts are true not just some sort of you know we run into people all the time who seem to think there's certain facts they believe that aren't facts they're just sort of wishful thinking right and they say things sometimes like the universe is your friend or whatever and i was like what are you talking about that's not true universe is not your friend try it sometime get out there and see what happens the facts are rooted in a reality. They're not just a wish fulfillment or an idea that we tell ourselves that we feel better. How do we know these facts are true? Well, remember last week how I said lament psalms in contrast to thanksgiving psalms? Lament psalms always look to the future. You're in the mess, and they look to the future when God will respond. But thanksgiving psalms turn that around. So you you look back at a time when you were in the mud and you, you expressed your need, you cried out to God, and and he looked back to the time when God answered that, that's kind of the... So Lament Psalms and Thanksgiving Psalms kind of mirror each other in in that sense. So so Lament Psalms look forward to God's rescue, trusting that God hears and will respond. But they don't entirely look forward. Lament Psalms also remember. They they look back to how God has been faithful in the past, either in our personal lives or in the lives or the story of, of God's people. Lament Psalms they root today's trust that God will be faithful in the fact that God has been trustworthy in the past. Let's say that again. It's on the screen, but I want you to hear it because this is super important. Lament Psalms root today's trust that God will be faithful in the fact that God has been trustworthy in the past. And for the original um, authors and poets of the Psalms, they would look back to God's faithfulness, for example, in battle. God's faithfulness to to help them out of a difficult spot. They would look back even further to how God had been faithful to his people, how he had rescued the people of God out of an uh, oppressive regime under under Egypt where they were in slavery and they were crying out. And God rescued them and and, and gave them a a new start and formed them as a new people and gave them a, a new land. They would even look farther back to his faithfulness to their forebears, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and even all the way back to God's faithfulness in creation. Now listen, friends, as followers of Jesus or even those of us exploring faith in Jesus, listen, whatever is going on in your life today, however insurmountable, however difficult, we can do the same. We can always look back and see just how faithful God has been in the past. We can look back at a time in our lives when God answered a specific prayer. Uh, Times when we were stuck times when we were desperate, and God came through. Now, sometimes those things can fade. You know that, right? I mean, something that God very vividly responded to and made a difference 10 years ago, we can get a little sketchy. That's why actually writing these things down, having some kind of a prayer journal, some sort of memorial rock, or some kind of thing that reminds us of God's faithfulness in our lives is very important because we can look back at those events and see, oh, look at that. I'm stuck now, but look at that. I was stuck before, and God came through for me came through for my family, came through because of this crisis, I can look back and see the faithfulness of God in our lives. That is so, so important, and to thank God for that. But more than that, we can look back to the greatest exodus event ever. Not the exodus out of Egypt, but the exodus out of death itself, where God established once and for all, proved beyond any doubt, just how faithful and good and powerful he is, when he sent his very own son Jesus to become one of us? Jesus was born into a world of hurt and trouble and violence, and he walked in our shoes. He experienced our brokenness. He felt our pain. And through that experience, the author of the letter to the Hebrews, later on in the New Testament, he said, "Since Jesus himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested." That's so encouraging. Jesus can help us in these shared life experiences. And the author to the Hebrews and other places show us that. But not just through shared life experiences. God our Father also saw how we were all stuck in the mud. The muck of sin. How we were unable to free ourselves from death. How we were unable to pull ourselves out of despair by our own bootstraps. Or or, or stop the cycles of violence around us. Or how we were unable to break the selfishness that we seem to be so committed to. God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He defeated death for us. He went to the cross on our behalf. He went into the grave so we could get out of the hell we were living in and the hell we were headed to. And he offered everyone freedom and life through his Son and the gift of the Holy Spirit given. No matter what we're going through, no matter what it is, no matter how dark and difficult and desperate God has proven his faithfulness to us in Jesus. It's a done deal. We don't have to wonder if he hears us. We don't have to wonder if he cares. He has shown us that he does. We don't have to wonder if he's able to do anything about it. He rose Jesus from the dead. He can't handle anything. We don't have to wonder. We look at the cross. We look at the empty tomb. And we can declare with confidence, even when we're stuck and deep in the muck, God, you are good God you are faithful God you can be trusted and so once again the psalms as i've been doing each time they lead us to Jesus we're able to be true about our need and true about our God we're able to be honest about the trouble and honest about the trust and we need both you know if we are honest about our need but there's no hope of response there's no hope of change there's no hope of deliverance then folks it'd be better just to live in denial you know don't worry be happy smile whistle do whatever and not acknowledge the real need if there's no hope for change but conversely if we simply praise god for his goodness but we never get honest about our need for him to intervene then our understanding and our experience of god won't actually develop. Our relationship with God will not deepen. We'll never fully understand how it is that God is compassionate and gracious, a faithful Father to us. With these lament psalms leading us, we can express honest need to our faithful God. Well, what do we do as we close today? The first thing I'd like you to do is I'd like to invite you into a place of honesty. Now, in order to do that today, I'd like to do something a little bit different. I'd like to have you listen to a song. It'll be a lyric slide on the screen coming up. It's written by a Canadian music artist, Avril Lavigne. Some of you heard of Avril. She's known for Skater Boy, you know, music like that. But she recently wrote and released a modern-day lament song. She dropped off the map a few years ago and... We didn't hear about her. We didn't hear from her. I don't know if people were wondering. I know there's a couple times where I thought, man, I haven't heard a song from Apple for a while. What's going on with her? Well, it turns out she was super sick. She was struggling with Lyme disease, unable to cope. Life was very, very dark. From an article on the backstory of her recent released song, Head Above Water, uh, she said this. uh, She wrote in a special letter to fans that she had written this song, Head Above Water, during, quote, one of the scariest moments of my life. She said, I accepted death and could feel my body shutting down. I felt like I was drowning, like I was going underwater and just needed to come up for air. Levine said she wasn't able to breathe, and throughout the time, she would pray to God for help. She said, I grew closer to him. She said, my mother held me, and in her arms, I wrote the first song that I'm releasing now to tell my story. And I want to invite you to listen to her song today as a modern-day lament. But also is a song that invites you to become more honest. And as you listen to this song, that you would perhaps write it down, perhaps acknowledge it, perhaps just say it out loud to God or in the silence of your own heart to express whatever it is that you need, God, to make a difference. Let's listen.
1: Gotta keep it calm
0: a powerful song truly a modern day lament coming out of a real time of desperation where someone expresses their their need for god and i i hope that as you are able to hear that and reflect on it even in the week ahead perhaps in your small group um, or in conversation with friends you're able to be honest about about your need the second thing as we close today, is to offer you another integrating practice. Now, we've been reading, I know many of you have been reading three psalms a day, and I hope that's going really well. As that, That's kind of an integrating practice over our whole uh, series. We're offering these integrating practices so that we aren't people who just sit and listen and don't do anything, but we actually respond. And some of you have already talked to me about what it was like this last week to take those three circles of thanksgiving and, and to reflect on on God's faithfulness. Well, for the week ahead, I'd like to offer you one more integrating practice, and that is this, to memorize a lament psalm. Now, some of you, memorization's a bit scary, but I want to encourage you to take a lament psalm. Three of them are listed in the bookmark that you were given. Uh, one of them is Psalm 13 that was read earlier today. You could take this sheet right here, the, the, the one you have in your bulletin, Psalm 42, 43, memorize that. There's others, Psalm 22. Google, there's lots of lament psalms. But take a psalm. You can even just do a portion of it or break it down to bite size. But to memorize a lament psalm. Now, why would you do that? Because I believe that when you internalize God's word, when you internalize a psalm like this, there will then at times be opportunities to pray to God out of a place of need. And you're able to draw that up and pray it as your prayer. It's powerful to be able to do that. Once you've internalized it and memorized it, you can actually personalize it. You can take the psalm, feel free to mess around with it a little bit and and, and insert your own name into it and and personalize the psalm. But I encourage you to take one first and memorize it so that it is available. It's like in your prayer repertoire to, to, to grab a hold of and pray when you're in time of need or when you're crying out on behalf of someone else in their time of need. You see, as we close today, I want to acknowledge that not only do these lament psalms give voice to our trouble, they also enable us to stand on behalf of other people in their trouble. Sometimes we have trouble in a particular area of our lives, but we're also very aware of, of others who are struggling. Not only in all of our own lives, but you know, Andrea sent me an email highlighting um, a, a sister in Christ of ours in Pakistan who's facing uh, significant danger as a Christian. Her name is Asia Bibi, and and, and there's others as we pray for the persecuted church, we pray for brothers and sisters who are in difficult situations worldwide or in our own lives. And, And we're able to express these lament psalms as a way of also crying out on behalf of another's need. And so by memorizing a psalm like this, we're able to then pray not only out of our own place of need, but on behalf of others. Well, let's close our time in prayer. Jesus, I thank you that you made a way for us through your death and resurrection, through the gift of your Holy Spirit, to cry out for our place of need and know that you are trustworthy to hear and respond. And today we stand as your people and just acknowledge that we have need. Some of us, terrific need in in, in a great number of places. And others, we can think of areas in our lives where, God, we need you to intervene. Or conversely, we can think of people around us who are in desperate places of trouble, people in our own lives and families, people in our own church, and we cry out to you on their behalf. We do pray today for our sister Asia, who desperately needs you to intervene. I pray that you would strengthen her in her place of trouble, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would anoint her and empower her as a witness where she is. And I pray for our Pakistani brothers and sisters who, who are following you in the midst of... Uh, a culture and a religion that makes that difficult. I pray that you would strengthen them in your power. May they lead many to you and may their witness be an encouragement to us. I pray that as we cry out to you in honesty, that you would bring health and healing. That as we lean on each other and we express to each other the honest need that we have, whether it's in our small groups, whether it's with friends, that we would hear your voice speaking love and truth to us. We just give you praise for being the God who hears us in the midst of struggle. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, God be with you today. Go in grace. Hope you can join us for coffee time. God bless.